Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 3, one courage-gathering minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez and the news. And joining us uh, today, our third uh, guest on uh, this All-Star Week, uh, Sean Buckley. Welcome. Howdy ho. (laughs) Uh, Glad to have you. Today we're going back to Minute 98, which starts... With the uh, train slash DeLorean hitting 40 miles per hour and ends with the train whistle blowing uh, when uh, ends Doc with and Marty are both outside the train. Blowing. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, so this uh, this this again, a continuation of uh, yesterday's minute, it, this 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 sequence is just ramping up. Uh, to uh, before it literally ramps up uh, later in the week, um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's just it's ramping up and and the cuts are getting faster and uh, you know we have Clara trying to make her way to the engine cab um, to try and figure out a way to get Doc's attention because he can't hear her over the over the train and it's just. It's it's this this particular minute is really tense because you have to imagine, you know, like Doc decides that he's going to start making his way to the front of the train so he can get to the DeLorean. But when he gets to the front and realizes that there's a portion of this journey in which he's going to have to like freehand step across from the train to the DeLorean. And so he's just he's just standing there trying to gather his courage. But the longer that he stands there, the more dangerous it becomes because everything's getting faster. And uh, I, you know, I, I feel like I've been in um, a, not not I don't want to say a similar situation, but a situation in which I've had to gather my courage to do something. And the longer that I wait the worse it's getting. Oh, sure. I mean, anyone who's ever like jumped too high into like a lake, you know, oh, yeah. like, yeah. like the longer you stare down at that water, the harder it's going to be. You know, you just you just got to not think about it. Mm-hmm. It's got this classic Christopher Lloyd bug eyed look on his face where you can uh, definitely realize that that Emmett is like, I didn't think this plan all the way through. Oh, I didn't boy. realize it had to be a gymnast. And it's like a scary uh, jump. I'm yeah. I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and he has to be, he has to be wondering, like, as he's about to take a step, like his first steps are going to be onto that, uh, that, that piece of like that wood container of tires that he threw together. And, you know, part of him is just thinking, is that going to hold my weight? <laughs> I don't oh, know. Oh, careful shit, that I imagine. Shit. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh shit! I, I, yeah, God you just, you just imagine like, well, I, I, I thought of everything about this, but I didn't think about this stupid thing holding my weight so I that can't I can get it. to the Delorean. I can't believe it! I can't believe this is what's gonna kill me. I can't believe this is what does it. <laughs> I see. I thought about it a lot more dire. I thought about it as him <laughs> leaping off the front of the train onto the aluminum backing and like you know? holding on to Mister Fusion. Okay, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting so hyped right now because this scene is like. 
inspiring me. You guys and listeners, Sean, Scott, you both know I'm I'm a big, big proponent of uh, of the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> sure. one, but one thing, this is the second time I brought it up this week. Um, but one thing that I think Back to the Future has this one thing that I think the Back to the Future movies have over the, the over the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> the one thing. The one. Let me just yeah. The one thing. The one yeah. thing. The one thing is <laughs> it's it's it's. I think it's always going to be more fun watching normal average people doing these crazy stunts than like Vin Diesel, who I say this with all love in my heart, uh, an android brought to life. <laughs> That's true. When Vin Diesel does something crazy, you're like, ah, he's gonna do it. He'll be fine. He's yeah, Vin Diesel. Like, yeah, because like, you go to see these movies because you're like, oh my god, The Rock without any special effects can lift two men and throw them in the air. Right. But, I mean, look, Vin Diesel can can ride a motorcycle on water. So yeah, exactly. I can pretty much do anything. But how cool would it be to see? But it's so much fun watching this movie because like Doc and Marty, Michael J. Fox, Doc, Michael J. Fox has that. Oh my god, we're not gonna. And Christopher Lloyd is like, oh boy, like it's, and you're like, what's gonna happen to these dorks? Imagine, of okay, imagine a group of like EPA, like Silicon Valley, like imagine like just kind of like average nerdy kind of people, but they all work for like they're all scientists. They're brought in, <laughs> and then like Kurt Russell comes in and he's like, guys, like you might notice, but the world is in pretty bad shape, and <laughs> and, and there and he's like. But the world doesn't have superheroes, but you know what it does have? Scientists. <laughs> and then like these these dorks have to like solve these egg like like ecological calamities or, or like stop these like hackers or something. But they're like just armed with like real science, but they just have to do like these crazy stunts. You're either describing the best or worst reality show I can ever imagine. <laughs> if it was a reality show, it'd be insane because they would be help. They would be saving the world for real. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, what what I love about this sequence is that Doc, up to this point, like literally this point, Doc has been filled with nothing but confidence because he is. <laughs> He is completely sure of the science behind this experiment uh, that he's designed. And, and so everything, like the math and science, everything checks out. But he never accounts for human error and he never accounts for the reality of the situation. And yeah. now he's like staring down the barrel of the reality of this situation. Yeah, that's and it's like, terrifying. That's super oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he always does this, but it's usually Marty's problem. Like yeah, you know, exactly. he's, like, he's never had to deal with it before. In like 1955, it's like, all right, you need to hit the wire at the exact what? second lightning strikes, and Marty's like, "What are you talking about, Doc? <laughs> That's not a thing." <laughs> and like now, he's the one's gonna do the crazy thing. Oh, and he's like, oh. the, this is usually when the boy comes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marty, come out here. Oh, it's so great. I'm in the car. <laughs> catch me, Marty. Marty, catch me. <laughs> oh, it's terrifying. Oh, There's so much yeah. more going on with this, though. It's like, it's, I think the tension isn't just him, him having to make this insane jump. It's one of my favorite scenes in the trilogy. Well, not, not really the favorite scenes of the trilogy, but it's one of the scenes of the trilogy that really highlights the score as a character. 
because mm-hmm. like the third time I watched the clip today, I was just just the beats are so there to like ratchet everything up. Like like if this isn't scary enough, here's a huge orchestra hit to remind you this is really serious. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, the, the score is so useful in this movie in particular, because the majority of the movie is just a Western. Yeah, Uh, it's not it's not like what you would think of when you think of Back to the Future, because everyone's in Western clothes. They're not really doing anything outside of actually being just a Western. Uh, There was just a shootout like a couple of weeks ago. Um and and the thing that keeps reminding you what movie you're watching is the score. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, you you can have just a straight Western scene. But then with that Back to the Future score playing, you know that you're watching a science fiction movie. That's a good <laughs> idea. I wonder if you could if you remove the score from this and put in some like old John Wayne background tracks, if it would. Like if you would realize watching it, showing to someone that didn't know the trilogy, if they were watching a science fiction film. Or imagine if you put like the James Bond theme over it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Would it automatically like have like this sexy suave vibe to it? Well, I don't. I, I think wonder... I think old Christopher Lloyd is pretty sexy and suave to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't need that. I wonder if they had made uh, a a you know uh, a version of or a sequel to Back to the Future where they went to like the '60s and did like a spy movie. If they could have pulled that off the same way that they pull off the Western. Oh gosh. You mean like cars too? No, <laughs> it's just no, taking the like whole genre. Too. Like the, it's something, I don't know if that really fits. I mean, the Western I could believe, but just, just throwing mm-hmm. a spy motif on top of it would be, I mean, it's got a lot of elements of that in there, I guess already in, in uh, part two, you've got, you've got yeah. Marty wearing the, the, the hat of the fifties, like mm-hmm. actually that's G-man true. Unit. He's got a G man costume. That's true, actually. You could take parts of uh, part two and put the spy score over it, and I bet it would work. Like yeah, the bit where he's too. trying to steal the the steal the uh, almanac back from Biff is like a spy movie. It's total like cheesy old Mission Impossible stuff. Yeah. Huh. That's a good idea. You should do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man, that made that just made me realize that uh, uh, I I wish uh, Tom Cruise and Michael J. Fox had played brothers at some point. No, that would have worked. Yeah. That's not something huh. I would have thought. It probably would have worked. Yeah. Probably would. They're both like kind of short, kind of, you know, action guys, you know? High, high pitched and spry. Except yeah. For, except for Michael J. Fox is cast and things so he looks short. No one ever suspects that Tom Cruise is short until you see him next right. to a normal That's person. True. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think this is a really good minute. I mean, it's, it's all about. The, uh, you know, it's all about Clara, you know, coming up with the idea of like something to grab their attention and blowing the whistle. Um, but it, it's all about that anticipation of Doc jumping for the DeLorean. And just as it looks like he's about to go for it, the train whistle blows and he's like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's it's just this really great sort of interruption. And it's a thing that we keep talking about as we're going through this train sequence is that Gail was really good about writing, uh, you know, up to a point and then interrupting himself with <laughs> another problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he, and he keeps doing that, um, throughout this sequence. And it's just really masterfully done. I think. 
I think it's also a big story scene in ways that you might not catch on to right away. If you, I mean, you guys are familiar with what I've done, and I'm, I really kind of like to go in nerdy on aspects of story that you're not necessarily thinking about. And this is an important scene because uh, the first two films, of course, are very big Marty stories. And the third, as I'm sure we've talked about before, is, is Doc Brown's character arc. And this is like the mm-hmm. climax of his character arc. Um, he's climbing on the train before the whistle blows at this point in his mind, he's decided to let Clara, this woman he's fallen in love with, who isn't even supposed to be alive, go on and live her life at out in San Francisco or wherever it is she's going. Um, and he's like, he's kind of already given up on this idea that movie one doc Brown has of preserving the timeline. He's like, whatever she can live, it'll be okay. Um, but then when that whistle, God, now I'm just imagining. Oh, I'm just imagining the scene where Doc is at the campfire with Marty. Marty's falling asleep and he's like, okay, I'm going to go. And he just goes to Claire's house and she, <laughs> yeah. she shows up, walks to the door and she's like, oh, Evan, hi. And he's like, I'm sorry, Clara. <laughs> Click. I'm so sorry. <laughs> See, that's the other thing. This could have gone dark. Like he sees her on the train. Yeah. And in the next couple of minutes, he makes these big, important decisions that have like huge sweeping things. But he could have, instead of being like, oh, I'm going to go save her. He could have been like, wow, well, she's supposed to die anyway. Yeah, I have to pr- I have to protect the timeline. <laughs> Right. So it's like it's kind of a big scene, like Uh, right before this is where it turns and you really see how much he's changed from being this guy that like protect the timeline at all costs. Doesn't matter who dies. They were going to die anyway. And now you see what we see in the payoff at the end of the film is like, well, the future hasn't been written yet, so it doesn't matter. So I can save her and be happy. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so I like it because it's like that turning point. It's right before he has this realization, which is sort of like the end of his development as a character. Finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's a really good arc. And that's and that's the thing, right, is it's it's interesting that, you know, f- in the first movie, you had sort of a small arc for, for Doc, which is that I'm going to get shot. Uh, and, and now because I made a friend in the past, I'm going to wear a bulletproof vest. Yeah, that's sort of his arc in the first movie. Marty doesn't really have much of an arc in the first movie. It's very, very small. It's all uh, about mostly it involves. <laughs> yeah, mostly it involves getting a truck. Um, but uh, but, you know, it, it, it but when you get to the end of the trilogy, everyone sort of had uh, an over you know, arching story. Uh, and I, I really like that. I, it makes it feel like the sequels are worthwhile as opposed to a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. Right. And it gets back. It, it sort of muddles part two a little bit. Cause it, at the end of part one, you get this idea. Doc's like, ah, the hell with it. And then part two, he's like, no, protect the timeline again. And you get to see how mm-hmm. that actually develops instead of just because we want a happy ending. You actually see right. how he becomes this person in a way that's much more satisfying. Right. Well, actually, in a way, he's not doing the protect the timeline because the whole conceit of the second movie is that I've gone to the future. It's garbage, Marty. We have to <laughs> fix it. Um, and well, and so like, it's a little bit that because he's like, the future's garbage, but you can't change it with this book because then it won't be as garbage. <laughs> right. So he's kind of going back. He's not sure what he feels like at the beginning of part two. Yeah, yeah. It's a little it's a little muddled little muddled um but uh but yeah so uh sean what 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 are your what are your feelings i guess about back to the future just in general like what's your what's your background with the films do you remember seeing them for the first time i remember seeing them i was i was i grew up in the era where i remembered seeing them on tv like broadcast non-cable network tv all the time like every summer they would marathon these films on one channel or another 
And so I had a like passing familiarity growing up. It was sort of like, oh, it's that movie I love that's always on that I can never seem to catch all the way through. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had that familiarity with them. And then in college, I went to uh, film school, uh, San Jose State's film program, and we had to analyze some a movie at one point. And I just got uh, the Back to the Future DVD set, and I, I decided to watch that. And I realized that, although I always liked it a lot as a kid, um, I realized then that the original, the first film was actually probably my favorite movie and the trilogy as a whole is probably my favorite trilogy just because it all, it all fits together so well, even though it wasn't supposed to be a trilogy. It's just, they're all incredibly well paced, put together movies. I'm never bored. The characters are interesting. There's a great score. Uh, it's, they're all really funny. It's, it's, it's like Ghostbusters in that I didn't realize how funny they were until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. And so I have this, I really enjoy them quite a lot. To the, to the extent that when I was I was in Japan last year, we basically went to Universal Studios Japan just to ride the only still functioning Back to the Future ride. Oh, yeah. How was that? It uh, was you know. really good. You know, I've only ridden the Japanese version. I've ridden it a couple of times over a few different years. I've never ridden the American version. So I only know that film as like Biff screaming in Japanese. <laughs> 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 I only know the right experience in Japanese. It's good. Um, it's definitely feels old. Like they could maybe put it some more modern projectors. In there. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's it's uh, I mean, it's sad because now it's completely closed. Um, oh, do they close know. it down in, in at USJ too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's too bad. Yeah. It's gone completely now. I think they just closed it down uh, or like last year sometime i want to say the end of the summer last year is when i finally closed it down i caught it about i think this week last year may have even been today last year um okay so so yeah yeah i mean you caught it just a couple months before they closed it down and permanently it kind of looked like they were closing it up because before when i went in 2003 there was a giant really cool back to the future shop right in front of the ride with different toys and like the hovering uh model car you could buy and that was like a Mm -hmm. minion store this time like everything around it was minions except for the ride itself wow which had no line which was great because we went on it again and again (laughs) it's like it's like the man said every new beginning is some other beginnings end (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if they changed if they switched it out with uh, with the Simpsons ride or if they are going in a different direction in uh, in Japan. I don't know. I could see them going in a different direction. There wasn't any Simpsons stuff there. There was a lot of minions, like way too much. Anything cute goes off like gangbusters in Japan. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of other things, too. They might maybe they'll replace it with the, one of their um, they have a few anime simulator rides there. Like they have this attack on Titan thing and a Evangelion thing. So maybe they'll do something like that with the space. Mm. Yeah, maybe it'd be nice to see something original there. We already have enough Simpsons rides and I don't think it's that big in Japan. So if they're going to replace it with something, I'd prefer it be something weird and unique. Maybe yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ready for them to replace the Simpsons ride at, at the U.S. parks. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's my, I think my favorite part of the Simpsons ride isn't so much the Simpsons ride. It's the um, it's the Back to the Future cameo in the like the queue walkthrough. Oh, what? A, I don't remember that. What is oh, it? There's this scene where they animate um, a Doc Brown's Institute of Future Technology is like going out of business for some reason. And like oh, Krusty's no. there buying it from him. Oh, that's so sad. I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever uh, ridden the Simpsons ride and had to wait in line. Oh, no. Um, Like like not in like the actual queue outside. I think I I think the longest I've had to ever wait has been like just outside the doors 
like into like the the queue that splits you off into the separate lines to go oh, to the separate cars. That's for the um, best. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. Is, so it's mostly just clips from the show, and then they have this one Back to the Future clip with Christopher Lloyd voicing it, and it's great. And it's it's it's, but it's also kind of sad. Like uh, like Frank uses a time machine for some reason. I can't remember the whole thing. It's probably on YouTube. Oh man, I'm gonna have to look for that. That's that's really funny. Yeah. Um, and and clever. Like it's a clever reference to the previous ride that like. Now, today, probably no one really understands when they're in line, like what that even means or why it's happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate it, though. You know, it's nice yeah. to see. I mean, they do that. I'm also I, I don't know if you, how much you guys know this, but I'm a big I'm a big theme park fan. And I always appreciate when they have things like that hidden in like the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland. If you look like behind you at a certain point, they have a parking lot sign because that's where the Dumbo parking lot or something used to be. And so there's oh. always it's nice when they have little nods to ride in the Winnie the Pooh ride uh, in Disney World. They have the heads for the country bear jamboree mooses there because that's where that used to be. So they have them hidden somewhere in the ride that you can only see if you turn around at a very specific point. <laughs> so it's <laughs> nice awesome. to have it's nice to have that in the Simpsons ride, but it probably won't exist if they uh, retool it again. It'll be gone forever. Yeah. No more back to the future. <laughs> and and, the and it would be. It would be it would be for the best. Um, yeah, I think best. I actually even think if they if they do turn it into something else, um, they should probably just let the whole thing go and oh, just rebuild something from scratch. Yeah, because yeah. the whole thing is outdated at this point. It was it was amazing in 1990. But I remember writing The Simpsons ride and being like, so you guys just took the Back to the Future ride and you're just <laughs> making it The Simpsons now. I mean, this was this is 15 year old technology like you didn't update it at all. OK, whatever. Yeah, it's it's not that fancy, though. One more comment about uh, theme parks and Back to the Future. Uh, Doc mm -hmm. Brown was very popular in Japan. Whenever he whenever that character was out walking around, there were tons of people taking picture with the white guy with the, with the, the, the old dude wig and scientific uniform. That makes sense. That's really interesting. Yeah, I thought it was funny. He was always taking selfies with people and being really, he he was really into it. He does kind of look like a real life anime character, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't. It helps a lot that the actor was really into the role. Like he had the 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 yelly, you know, mad scientist Pat or not Patrick Stewart for some reason. <laughs> that would be a weird character to play it. Uh, Doc Hello. Brown voice down. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see some serious shit, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is now the version of the movie I want to see. <laughs> uh i mean did, didn't he say that to him in uh in days of future past i'm pretty sure he did yes <laughs> when, when kitty pride hits 88 miles per hour <laughs> right scott <laughs> oh man oh, yeah. that's good stuff um yeah so uh uh, Sean, where can people find you on the internet? What, what have you got going on? Well, like I said, I do a bunch of writing right now for Engadget, so you can find me writing about mostly Nintendo, to be honest, on Engadget. I write a lot of video game stories. Uh, I also am uh, Seanicus with two Cs uh, on Twitter and on YouTube, where I have an amazing video about Back to the Future you can watch, where I explain how Doc Brown and Back to the Future 3 ruined 2015. It's why we don't have hoverboards. You should go watch it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really important it's stuff. Good. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's uh, it's my little fan theory that people like to argue me about. And I also do a bunch of reviews about uh, on there about video games. I talk way too much about the old Ghostbusters cartoon. Um, so I'm basically a wannabe YouTuber, but technically a tech journalist. So, all right, fair enough. <laughs> um, well, uh, thanks for joining us today, Sean. 
yeah, it was a blast. Uh, looking forward to seeing how you guys wrap up the series. I really want to see the last five minutes. Those those episodes are going to be great. Uh, yeah, no, that's going to be good. Um, but we're actually we're going to wrap up the series actually covering Back to the Future of the Ride. So oh, awesome. Yeah. So all the footage from that uh, is oh, how we're going to wrap up the show in our series gonna, finale. That's going to be a chaotic five episodes. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it will. Yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> we're going to reveal that I actually died of a heart attack halfway through volume two. And that Scott's <laughs> been imagining it from that point forward. Oh, <laughs> all right. Sad, but what a twist. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be worth it in the end, I think. Yeah. And then they'll reboot uh, it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, we will be back tomorrow with. Uh, minute 99 in the meantime go check out the other podcasts at uh, moviesbyminutes.com including uh, our guest yesterday uh, Jim O'Kane's Rocketeer Minute and uh, and and a bunch of others I mean just it's a ridiculous list of a ton of stuff um, and go check out uh, Ghostbusters Minute which, which uh, Sean guested on uh, Kyle and Brady show so uh, if you haven't listened to that yet go check that out good fun and uh, we will be back tomorrow with Minute 99 Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.